tired SLP, I know just what you need. Go grab some caffeine, find your favorite seat. It's time for coffee, tea, and three SLPs. I think we should start with talking about what's your favorite way to take data because I know my favorite way and the way that I think uh, shows just as much progress and is just as effective as every session data but what do you guys like to do I don't I don't think I have a way that I like I don't like, I don't, I don't like <laughs> what do you do now what are you doing now fit throughout the session um mm. I don't know when they answer the question or do the thing you know I'll give them a point or not um mm -hmm. I have like a little point system I'll give them like a one or a zero um and that's how I like tally up um and then mm -hmm. if I if I'm t thinking about assistance if I'm giving them the point with assistance I'll write like a little a underneath the one mm -hmm. um for my sessions where the kids are like really chaotic and I cannot stop to even just look down at my sheet um I just try to keep track in my mind and be like did they do it most of the time some of the time mm -hmm. not not really you know and then I'll just kind mm -hmm. of make my data from there um but the thing uh being in the school system is we have to track data of every single session and we have to report on that data in percentages of every session so mm -hmm. I can't I can't kind of intermittently uh, data collect because I have to do it every single session. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm open to suggestions because I'm doing it in the middle of session um, or I'm just mm -hmm. kind of keeping it in my mind. Um, and neither of those seem super effective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it depends on what I'm working on with the kid, like for <clears throat> uh, an Arctic kid who is stimulable for the sound, I would just try to get a hundred trials and I wouldn't even necessarily, a hundred correct productions. And I wouldn't even necessarily be tracking their errors. I would just put a check mark every time they said it correctly. And um, I was playing around with that quick Arctic approach. So like seeing them for five or 10 minutes at the beginning of the school day and just getting like a hundred productions each day. Um, so that's very different than if I'm working on a language goal. Um, <clears throat> I think for, for language, like for, for sentence structure or syntax, um, I was taking data throughout the full session for a while, but then switched to a quick some quick probes at the beginning of the session or a very quick language sample um, or even a more structured language sample. Like, hey, I know, you know, we've been working on using the word because I want you to think of that, try to use that word and like explain this quick scene or explain your weekend and just like have mm -hmm. the word because written there or something like that. So, so somewhere between like no prompting and some prompting and then take data on that. Um, and then what I also would do is use for, for more like comprehension-y type goals is get something directly from their classroom and then use that as my, um, 
I don't know if probe assessment would be the right term, but use that as my gauge for how well they're accessing their curriculum and um, provide pretty limited assistance the first time they go through it and then just see what they can do independently and then go through and help them with it. Um, so yeah, it depended on what we were working on, but I definitely leaned, ended up leaning more towards um, some quick assessment at the big, usually at the beginning of the session mm -hmm. to see where they're at and then just getting into treatment and, and being able to be fully present during treatment without really taking mm -hmm. data. Cause I never feel super confident in the data that I take mm -hmm. throughout treatment. Cause you're responding in the moment and you're recasting and you're providing visual supports and mm -hmm. like to do intervention, you have to be so present. So I, I always felt like mm -hmm. I was missing something when I was right. trying to do that. Right. Yeah. I do the same thing kind of where at the beginning of the school year, I'll take baseline data of where they're at, especially if it's a brand new student. Um, but if it's a student I've been seeing before, I'll just take like a baseline to see how they did over the summer. And then I actually don't really take data throughout the session um, regularly. But what I do is when progress notes are about to be due or some sort of... Um, what's the word report writing is about to happen. Um, then what I do is I plan out like three weeks ahead of time. So two of those weeks I'm taking data on the students objectives and that third week I'm fit. I'm, you know, going writing. And if I have anything that I'm like, Oh, I should kind of take a closer look at this objective again, then I'll use that third week before my progress notes are due to go back and remeasure, reprobe, and um, finish writing. And I like that better because then all those other weeks, I'm not, unless it is articulation, I guess this is more for language and social goals. Um, for all those other sessions, I'm not necessarily worried, worried about getting a certain amount of trials or opportunities because of an objective. I'm just trying to teach a skill over and over and over again. Um, so I like that, honestly, and I think it's been really effective. The only thing that doesn't work for is articulation or speech sound disorders, I think. But I, also the speech sound disorder realm, I think those are easier to take data on throughout the session because you either got it right or you didn't. Yeah, what I've been doing for my Arctic kids is because you're trying to get so many trials I'm not gonna do 100 data points so mm -hmm. what I like to do is split it up based on word so if we have a word and we say the word five times each I'll basically write like one data point for the word so like mm -hmm. out of the five times did they say it the the sound in the word like most of that mo most most of those five times, did they say it about mm -hmm. half or did they not really get it when they were practicing mm -hmm. that word? And then I'll kind of do one data point on that word. So if they mm -hmm. said the word five times and got it um, most of those times, then I'll just give them a check. Mm -hmm. And then I'll tally up how oh. many out of all of the words, how many checks, how many kind of 
I'll do like a little squiggle, which means like 50% or I'll do mm. like a zero and I'll tally that up. So I'm not tallying oh. up a hundred things. I'm tallying up the 10 words that we practiced. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, I actually really like that because then it can, it kind of, it sounds like that gives you a picture of how it's translating to their conversational speech almost because conversation, like at the word level, their percentage might be high because in that single word they can get it. But then if you take that and translate it to, well, out of five is going to equate to one check or one zero then I feel like you kind of see when that sound appears more often or more frequently how it's going to translate. So I really like that, actually. I've never done that before. Yeah, and I I imagine that that is uh, maybe like a middle ground between my ridiculous number of checks that I would have on a piece of paper. <laughs> my data just looked like... like you know when you're you're you draw sh a shape on a piece of paper and you fill it in mm -hmm. uh, like with your pencil and it's not all filled in but most of it looks like light like that's what my data would look like uh, so it feels <laughs> it seems like that's a middle ground between like mm -hmm. something where you're taking data during the treatment session but then also um, not on yeah. every single time that they say the yeah. word <laughs> yeah. right. There is that huge conversation I feel like that's happening now in our field is there's more of that push to not worry so much about data, but really worry about building a relationship, attending to that student's communication needs, building skills, overtaking data. And I like that push because I feel like it's more meaningful and it leaves room to adjust to what that student needs on a daily basis because I feel like before when I first started I was so worried about taking data I was like okay we need to get 10 opportunity 10 comprehension questions in here or 10 directions that the student's going to follow in this 30 minute 30 minute chunk um, it just I think made it really hard to actually teach the skill or I would skip that step but now I'm spending so much time teaching the skill and not really worried about getting a certain number of opportunities to measure until it's almost about to be the end of the quarter. Do you guys have any regulations around how you take data or how you report mm -hmm. on that? No, no, no I think I that's what's a unique thing to you. I've never had that kind of strict you need to provide objective data after every single session i've never had that slps write us in do you have strict measures that you need to follow regarding data collection do you have to report every session every data on every session every note or do you have more flexibility let us know yeah yeah because yeah, it can't just be your school district that does that yeah. I mean, my school district is seems to be unusually strict in a lot of different ways, but mm. I'm sure there are others out there that require mm. that. Well, the hospital settings do, like inpatient and outpatient, you have to report um, some sort of objective data after right. each session because that directly ties in with billing and productivity. Productivity! And... God. Productivity. 
Oh my God. My, my Coda friend who works in a sniff says her productivity is like 95% or something. Wow. Completely unattainable. Oh, that's like what uh, she, that's her goal. Quote unquote. Yeah. Like that's like what you're supposed to be hitting. What's like when not humanly possible. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> but what does she have time to like, where she has to poop? No, you can't poop. That's at 5%. Yeah, then okay. Then, then you don't eat lunch. I don't you even choose. Do lunch. I poop today or do I eat lunch today? Oh yeah, yeah that's that's awful. Can't do or you do it at the same time. <laughs> 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 <Ew>. <laughs> hey, it's what you got to do when productivity yeah. standards are so high. <laughs> oh, management, this is what you make me do. <laughs> Seriously, every everyone at that point is just getting like sepsis because they're eating their lunch uh, in the bathroom. Jesus. Oh, girl. Well, this this is switching gears a bit from sepsis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please switch switch on. <laughs> but uh something I found really challenging about taking data is doing it in groups when even if it's just a group mm-hmm. of two um and even when i switched to taking um quick more quick probe assessments at the beginning rather than throughout that made it easier but still then you've got like a few minutes where the other kid isn't doing anything or you need to occupy them and if you have a group of three forget about it because then those other two kids are going to mm-hmm. be chatting and then you can't really hear what this kid is saying it's mm-hmm. so I, it, yeah, it's, I found that to be challenging, even with the quick probe test at the beginning, mm-hmm. just managing groups and data. Mm-hmm. I think groups and data is hard, but um, whenever I have a group of two or three, then I just use that, that three week out method from my notes. And each week I'll pick one or two because a lot of them have this si- similar objectives. So if they have similar objective sometimes I take data on a single objective across the students or I pick one student to take data on that day so for example um, a lot of my students have figurative language goals so when I see that group I'll say okay I'm gonna just look at their figurative language skill for all three of them and I'll take data that way, or I'll say, okay, I'm going to take data on student one today on all their objectives. Cause I, but I don't know, I have such a small caseload. I feel like this isn't even transferable advice to anybody else. Cause I am, I do only have like 24 students. Wow. Way to get us canceled, Julie. So I know we're going to get some hate mail, (laughs) but I remember when I, when I had 47 students, then um, I remember I still used that method and it worked pretty well or or with my preschoolers because I would be like, how the heck am I supposed to take data when I'm playing with a preschooler? It's not happening. That's when I started to be like, hey, um, this week and next week with the preschool teacher, can we run some stations during speech time instead in your class and have like the students station around to me 
because then I could have just one or two of them and have language activities set up for all the stations to hit their objectives. Um, so I did it that way too. Interesting. Mm. So that, that seemed to work because I was like, um, <laughs> I don't know how to take data on preschoolers, like actual I, data without this method. I think I have an easier time taking data on my preschoolers than on my older mm. kids because they require more attention from you, but they also, their goals um, are easier to take data on. Like a lot of my mm. preschoolers is like, did they say a word, <laughs> you know, or mm -hmm. like, what word did they say? How many times mm -hmm. did they mm -hmm. say something? Um, how many times did they comment? How many times mm -hmm. did they request? And those are like pretty easy. I can just, it's like, did they request yes or no check, you know, and I can mm -hmm. do that pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. What I have trouble with is my older kids that are working on more complex things. So like I have a fifth grader who's working on saying or writing um, a sentence with what is it like a relative clause like who or which or that right um like the character who da 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 da, mm -hmm. da you know like phrases mm -hmm. like that so he's been working on like saying and writing like one sentence so we'll like read something quick um and quick takes always takes so much longer than i think and then he'll write the sentence which again takes much longer than i think it will mm -hmm. and so i'm like have to take data on one thing like he's mm -hmm. working that whole session on saying this one complex sentence and mm -hmm. so what I have difficulties with is like how am I taking data on one thing you know and mm -hmm. I scaffold to where he gets it so then I'm mm -hmm. I have to figure out is he a hundred percent accurate every time because eventually he gets it is he 50% accurate mm. how how can he be 50% accurate when i'm test when i'm looking at one thing so i that's I guess, what i have a lot of trouble with yeah and i guess it also depends on how you, the objective is written because if the objective is written like uh charlie will write or say a complex sentence with a relative clause um in four out of five opportunities given verbal and modeling or given provided scaffolding so i guess if that that q level's in there and you abide by that q level then you do count it but if the objective was that he does it independently then you you would have to try to see what he can do on his own without that scaffolding cuz i think a lot of it has to do with that going back to how the objective's written Right. So then it, w but depending on how the objectives written, like with, you know, assistance or without, mm -hmm. then it would either be a hundred percent accurate or zero percent accurate. Mm. Right. Cause I'm only looking right. at one, one thing. Like, I don't yeah, really know right. how to get anything in between that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and your, you know? your district, you guys have, because I, I have more flexibility with how I can write my objectives. So sometimes I'll say like given like for some students, it's given clinician support, full clinician support as needed. So visual aids, verbal aids, any scaffolding, if they can get it that way, we would consider it correct, a correct opportunity. 
But then with some students, I really am trying to work them towards independence. So I'll say like, we'll do da 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 in yada yada, yada opportunities. <laughs> I don't know why I said it like that. That sounds really um, good. <laughs> given a single verbal prompt or a, an initial verbal reminder. So at that point, I'm going to give them the ver initial reminder like, oh, remember, we're working on that word because. So why do you brush your teeth? That's a dumb example. But why do you brush your teeth? So I would want them to say, use a sentence because with the word because after I had just given them that reminder um, for me to mark it correct and anything, any other support I give more than that, I'd be like, uh, incorrect because you needed more support. So that's how that's how I do it. But I I feel like I have so much flexibility with how I can write objectives and collect data that I can do that. So in a district or a setting where you don't have that freedom, I think it would just be really hard because then it would feel like, well, you either got you're either zero or 100. It's so hard to vary, vary in between. Yeah, I just learned this term because I'm doing a survey project and I learned this term it's called double barreling. Double barreling in survey questions is when you have one survey question that actually gets at two or more things. So um, mm. it's really hard for someone to answer like, does your workplace provide you uh, dental and health benefits? Like what if it's just one of those things? You'd actually want to mm. split that to design this, a good survey. You'd want to split that into two questions. Like, do you have dental benefits? Do you have medical benefits, mm. et cetera? So I feel like here, um, with speech and language goals, if the goal is like, we'll say and write, or we'll say or write, I feel like the way you'd measure those things are really different. So um, like saying, I feel like you could get a lot more trials done. Um, and, and maybe you could have figure out a way to have maybe 10 opportunities in a structured task and then not prompt mm -hmm. them and then see if they can do it. And then maybe you could get an accuracy score, but for writing, especially with the kids we work with, it always takes so long. Mm -hmm. I remember whenever I would have a goal that incorporated writing, I would be like a great day would be like this child wrote two sentences. Like this is great. And yeah, there's no, mm -hmm. like you can't have a percentage. So that's tough Kyla that you, with your district, you need like, a percentage of accuracy mm -hmm. and like you right. need this very specific specific way of taking data because that doesn't always translate to to the work that we're doing mm -hmm. right that's tricky have you guys ever uh used criterion assessment or criterion referencing as a data point so what I've do you used mean by that um that's a good question Brittany <laughs> I don't think I actually know. And I think that's why I'm intimidated by it. <laughs> but like, essentially, um, if you're if you have an objective or you write an objective, that's like, so and so will do boobity bop um, as evidenced by progress on a criterion and a criterion referenced assessment um, given at the end of each quarter. So then I think you can either find something that would measure that skill or you create your own little like probe worksheet or probe activity. And you, then you give that at the end of each quarter, you give that periodically and measure their progress 
progress, progress on <laughs> that specific um, measure. And I think there are things out there that you can use or you can create your own, but you're pretty much saying, I'm not going to take data on this every single time I meet with the student or this client. What I'm going to do is just collect this data at the end of each progress note period and say, see if they made progress on this over time on this one single activity over time. Mm, I feel like that is that sort of what teachers do with like quarterly benchmark mm-hmm. testing. Yeah. 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 I think it's the, the, um, SLP version of that. Cool. But I've never, I've never exactly done it. Cause I think I'm too intimidated by it for some reason, but I do see it like in objectives and my, um, the SLP that I work with, she does it a lot for like social goals and she she finds it really effective and has a good way to do it. So I think that's another option. Obviously, it wouldn't work for you, Kyla, <laughs> because you're flat out saying I'm not collecting data. I'm not collecting objective data every single time. So your district wouldn't like that. Yeah. And I feel like it would be tricky for me to... Or it would. I would always be wondering if the the measure I'm using, since I'm putting mm-hmm. so much weight on that as a measure of their progress, like how do I know that that is going to be a valid mm-hmm. measurement of that mm-hmm. skill? Um, right. Like I yeah, feel I like sometimes we have in- good intuition about it, but like right. other times, it's hard. And and like even like the process of validation and psychometrics, mm-hmm. it's like a whole field that we don't really right. trained in. So I feel like that would be my hesitation for it. But I like right. the approach and I feel like there are definitely ways to use it. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can just slap that on as a data collection tool onto every every single objective. I think it has to be like it has to make sense for the person you're working with. And it has to make sense for the your the goals for that person. Um, mm, oh, yeah. maybe so I think like you just for, have to think about it. Like a like a project based learning or an experience based learning, mm-hmm. or I can imagine more like functional goals for older kids. Mm-hmm. And maybe right. the criterion is like they do this thing, like mm-hmm. it, they they cook this thing they're working on, or or they mm-hmm. take the bus or or whatever you're doing. So I can imagine that working really well. Right. Right. Or, um, if, if you want, I guess I think it also works well for generalization goals. Like if you got into that point of independence and you're trying to see like, okay, are they taking the skill and now carrying it over? I think that's when it would be good to use that. So you actually go and see how they're doing in a naturalistic setting like will initiate during a free period with three different peers or will initiate and continue two conversations in a 30 minute period. And you kind of see how they do on that scale over time. I don't know. Cool. I think that one's that one. You just need the right situation for it. So many ways to take data. Which one are you gonna do? So many ways to take data. Anyway, do what's right for you. Wow. (laughs) 
That was good, Britt. Did um, that just come to you now? It just It just came to me. Wow. You are just so musically talented. The power of music lives within you. <laughs> <laughs> You're Ariel. <laughs> wow. <laughs> My mom has red hair, so. So she's Ariel. Close yeah, close enough. But in, in The Little Mermaid 2, did anyone ever see that? Because Ariel's daughter had so. brown hair. It was um I liked it when I was little because in in The Little Mermaid two, Ariel lives with Prince Eric and they have this daughter. But now the daughter wants to be a mermaid. Oh, how ironic! And she has brown hair. So wow. Oh yeah, because Ariel stops. She gets legs, right? Yeah, she gets her legs and her voice. Oh. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) One more thing I wanted to mention, which um, uh, is about Edith Strand's YouTube. This is a very specific thing I wanted to plug. So when I was a CF, I had a kid with apraxia and I felt like I did not know what I was doing. And I found... um, Edith Strand's uh, modules on YouTube. She has all of these Mm -hmm. videos that you can watch where she talks you through start to finish how to assess and treat kids with CAS. And Mm -hmm. that's the first, well, I'm sure I heard it in grad school, but this is the really the first time that I heard about uh, probe testing um, Mm. when my brain had had space to process it. And I, I'm looking at my notes from her course there. It's, she uses, it's called DTTC dynamic tactile, something queuing. I forget what there's another T in there, but um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But she said um, that, or this was the note that I had written down. She said, it's hard to take treatment data while working so hard to shape accuracy of movement, especially because in her DTTC approach or in that approach, you're like cueing them to look at your mouth the whole time. And you can't Mm. really be like, looking away. Um, so she said, so instead use probe testing instead at specified intervals. Do you sample a number of trials of stimuli with no cueing in order to determine how well treatment is working? So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, again, I'm sure that this idea was brought to us by our grad school professors and I just totally forgot or didn't like have a reference for it yet. But then in my CF, Mm -hmm. when I was watching these videos, it all clicked and I was like, whoa, that Mm -hmm. is just so magical because then that allows me to have data on progress, but then also, um, be like really fully present during treatment. So, um, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll put a link to that, those YouTube modules in the, um, in the episode description, because those are also just really helpful. Did you and guys watch those videos? I feel like I did. I I want to go back and revisit them because they sound familiar. So I feel like I did watch them and just don't remember it. But that's a great free resource for people. And isn't Edith Strand like a apraxia queen? She's <laughs> like a child, apraxia, like apraxia girl. Queen. Yeah, mm-hmm. the girl. Apraxia um, mother. <laughs> I've never had a kid uh, with apraxia. I have one right now and he's older, so he's really tricky. But yeah, I'll check our stuff out because I could use a little bit more help with him. TBH. 
All right. Okay. I got to go clean my house. All right. Have fun. Fun with the parents. Have fun with your fam bam. I'll see you guys soon. Bye. See ya. The views and information expressed on coffee, tea, and three SLPs are solely host and guest opinions are based on clinical experiences. This is for entertainment purposes only.